0: Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go.
1: Hello everyone, my name is Manpreet and welcome to Through the Noise. Now next week, we celebrate the Festival of Holi. In India, the festival welcomes the arrival of spring, though anyone who's participated will know that the prospect of having bright colors thrown at one can polarize opinions. Now, the prospect of a brighter spring has been visible across several major economies in the Northern Hemisphere. Last week, for instance, we illustrated how economic data surprises were starting to turn positive for several major economies. For markets, though, the good news increasingly feels like bad news, with markets worrying about what this means for inflation and hence central bank policy. Most recently, for example, we had the stronger than expected inflation data um, in the US and in Europe. Now, to discuss why this may be challenging the market's earlier Goldilocks narrative, I'm joined by Rajat, who heads macro strategy at the CIO office. So, hi, Rajat. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Um, Spring is here, but Goldilocks seems increasingly absent. In your view, how does this impact the likelihood of a U.S. recession?
0: Hi, Manpreet. Glad to be here. Yes, uh, the stronger than expected U.S. and euro inflation that you mentioned has challenged the Goldilocks outlook. Uh, By Goldilocks, uh, we mean cooling inflation and no recession. This was what was the outlook that was prevailing at the start of the year, if you remember. While the strong data has uh, likely delayed the start of a recession, we believe they have made a sharp downturn more likely over a one year horizon. This is because elevated inflation against the backdrop of historically tight job markets is likely to encourage the Fed and the ECB to push for higher for longer rates. Not surprisingly, Fed and ECB terminal rate estimates, uh, estimated by the market that is, have jumped to almost 5.5% and 4% respectively, hurting stocks and bonds in February. Now, historically, most US recessions have been caused by excessive Fed tightening, with a lag of course. Since 1972, for instance, we've studied this a uh, bit uh, deeper. A uh, U.S. recession started on average 24 months after the first Fed rate hike, if we exclude the uh, 2020s uh, pandemic aberration, of course. Also, a recession started on average 16 months after the U.S. government bond yield curve inverted. By that, we mean the 10-year yield has fallen before the, uh, below the two-year two yield. Now extrapolating these averages, there's a high chance of a U.S. recession by the end of this year or early next year because the Fed started its current hiking cycle, if you remember, in March 2022 and the U.S. yield curve inverted last year in July. While the range of the expected start of a recession is wide, this time, a recession is likely sooner than past averages as the current Fed hiking cycle has been the second steepest in history, as we have been discussing for a while. And this is likely to provide a shock to economic activity. This is already visible, uh, as you know, in the US housing and manufacturing sectors.
1: No, Indeed, I think uh, an interesting case for an economic recession there in the US. But Uh, For investors, can you remind us uh, why, you know, this discussion of an economic recession is is so important when considering one's investment stance?
0: Sure. The timing of a U.S. recession matters as equities have historically hit a cycle bottom only after a recession has started. Hence, we are likely to see new lows in U.S. equity markets as a recession strikes probably later this year or early next year and corporate earnings are downgraded further. This is the backdrop that that I just painted. Uh, It really supports what our defensive investment stance or the safe strategy that we had adopted, if you remember, in our 2023 outlook. It confirms our concerns that equity markets, especially in the US and Europe, are underpricing recession risks and that the equity run-up since October was another bear market rally, similar to the one we saw in the third quarter of last year. Hence, we would do a few things. First, fade the rally in US and European equities and take advantage of the elevated bond deals that are available today to rebalance towards income assets and high-grade bonds. Second, within equities, rebalance towards China and basically Chinese equities, the upcoming... National People's Congress, which starts tomorrow, uh, is likely to set a healthy target for domestic consumer-driven economic recovery there, which is going to be positive, we believe, for the stocks, uh, for for Chinese stocks. And finally, the dollar could see further short-term upside as Fed terminal rates and U.S. yields rise, but we would sell into that dollar rally as markets eventually start pricing a U.S. recession and Fed rate cuts. So we believe that the Aussie dollar is a good candidate for a rebound against the dollar on the back of the recovery in China that I talked about.
1: Thanks, Rajat. I think that that's quite a quite a good set of uh, opportunities to really dig into and act on. But I wanted to dig into your, the point you raised about um, the income opportunity because uh, you know bond yields, of course, have started to rise once again, particularly so in the last couple of weeks and. Last week, indeed, we discussed why we see this as a reopening of the window of opportunity for income investors. In the short term, do you believe the rise in U.S. yields is now done uh, and it's a great time to enter? Or do you think they could still rise a little bit further?
0: Yeah, the the U.S. 10-year government bond yield uh, or in short, the treasury yield has broken key resistance uh, level of 4% this week. We'll still need to see whether it ends the week above 4%. Uh, Today, But technical indicators, and that includes chart patterns and Fibonacci retracement levels, are arguing for further upside in in the near term, very near term, with the next resistance around 4.11% followed by 4.25%. In our view, uh, waning near-term recession fears and surprisingly strong inflation that I talked about were key factors behind this yield reversing uh, its prior downtrend. If you recall the, the yields were downtrending earlier this year at the start of this year, the upside pressure that we now see could persist if data continues to signal strong economic growth. In fact, the few data points that are coming up very pretty soon is, is the February US non-form payrolls on 10th March and the inflation, this is the consumer inflation data, CPI data on 14th March. Money markets are now expecting a 25 basis points of rate hike by the Fed at its 22nd March meeting, followed by another 25 basis points of rate hikes in May and June, before the Fed pauses. This implies almost 25 basis points of hike, more than prior Fed projections. So we need to see what the projections show. The bond deals that I talked about could peak if Fed maintains its prior uh, rate projections, or it could go slightly higher if the Fed aligns with the market now, projecting for a you know 5.5% terminal rate. However, I should emphasize that we could continue to view the rebound in bond deals as more tactical than fundamental reversal. We continue to expect a US economic recession, as I laid out the case earlier, uh, as a result of the Fed policy tightening. This in turn is likely to eventually cap bond deals as the tug-of-war between the higher policy rates and the prospects of slower growth are ultimately dominated by the latter. We continue to expect yields to move lower over the year. This suggests extending average maturities in our bond portfolios, and we are tempted to use the spike in long-term yields as an opportunity to add exposure to the income asset class.
1: Okay. No, I think... uh, uh Clearly, a, a lot of opportunities emerging, uh, especially in the U.S. Uh, from, from the macro outlook. But on the other side of the world, uh, we have a significant policy event in China uh, in the form of the NPC. Uh, in your view, what should investors be focusing on in terms of you know what emerges from this important policy event?
0: Yeah, China, uh, as, as I said, is, is a key part of our what we are looking uh, as a core part of our portfolio this year the china's uh, the national people's congress that starts tomorrow literally uh, is is uh, has always been a closely watched e- event it is especially so this year given the appointment of a new set of leaders uh, we should we should be focusing on a few things so the first one is the growth target the policy priority of the government remains on reviving growth and domestic demand this is what uh, President Xi told us uh, only just a while ago, uh, uh, and and so the growth target we expect at least to be set uh, at five percent or higher than five percent. Now the second thing is policy reforms. Policymakers are likely to use the event to announce a wide set of uh, reforms, and these include, you know, promoting uh, uh, the uh, the key focus areas like green development, green energy development. That is boosting self-sufficiency to ensure supply chain security and further opening up of capital markets. The third thing we need to watch is fiscal policy. With growth being a top priority, fiscal policy is likely to remain expansionary. At the same time, government is not going to go overboard. It's it's going to still maintain the discipline, fiscal discipline. So the consensus is expecting budget deficit to increase slightly to 3% this year from 2.8% last year. And this is going to be targeted towards strategic industries. And by that, we mean uh, semiconductors, energy, artificial intelligence, robotics, and upgrading rural community uh, infrastructure. And the final part of it this is uh, the monetary policy. We expect uh, monetary policy to stay accommodative. Uh, and the other thing that we need to watch is, is the appointment of the PBOC governor. Uh, uh, they, they will have to name a new PBOC governor. Uh, one of the areas that they are focusing on is uh, is probably the property sector. So we need to see whether that policy, the monetary policy, is tweaked further to encourage 1st term buyers into the property market to revive the sector.
1: Okay, and and perhaps very quickly before we close, I mean, a lot of what you described is that consistent with with our our, our own house view, positive house view on Chinese equities.
0: Yeah, we believe the markets have largely priced in some of these expectations. However, we shouldn't rule out the possibility of a policy bazooka, which could uh, drive risk assets higher. China's economy, uh, as we have been saying, is, is rebounding strongly after the removal of the mobility restrictions with the official manufacturing PMI and the rising uh, to, to its highest in 10 years. The services PMI also recently beat expectations. The value of new home sales, for instance, by, by the by, in a, by the 10 biggest real estate developers, climbed 16% YOY. I repeat, 16% YOY. The first yearly increase since June 2021 after the policymakers expanded their support. So the strength is in, in uh, of the recovery is, 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 is very clear there. In terms of the markets, the Hansen index rebounded strongly recovering the psychological level of 20,000. Uh, if, if you uh, look at it in, 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 the, in terms of the technicals, we could say, see... Uh, that we we could see a test of the major resistance level of 21300 and, and then followed by the, the you know let's say uh, around uh, the 22 uh, 22700 um uh, at, the, at the same time i mean the, the low the downside the supports are, are around uh, 19783 which is the internal day low since the correction started at the end of 2023 Ongoing geopolitical risks, very short-term dollar strength and concerns about new internet regulations could act as a near-term headwind, if the resistance level holds, the index could test uh, the 19,300 uh, zone that I talked about uh, and that we have uh, you know, uh, been talking about for a while. We would consider adding exposure to Chinese equities and specifically in communication services and consumer discretionary sectors should the index retreat to these levels.
1: All right. No, thanks very much for that, uh, Rajat. Um, So if I can sum up today's conversation, I mean, the key messages I really took away is clearly based on a macro message, you know, consider sort of fading the rally in equity markets um, and take advantage of the opportunities in bonds. On the bond side, particularly, of course, given where yields are, while small moves higher are possible, we'd really be looking to take advantage of those yields and, Rajat, as you described, of course, in Chinese equities, uh, that's where we continue to be positive, not only because of domestic fundamentals, but clearly on the technical side and our expectations from the NPC, um, which, which altogether should help, uh, particularly the communication services and consumer discretionary sectors. So we'll end the podcast there. Uh, thanks again, Rajat, for taking the time uh, to join us today. Um, and thank you listeners, of course, for, for listening. Um, as always, uh, appreciate your time um, you know, listening to us. Hope you found it useful and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.